nice to see so many of you here on a snowy winter's evening. Not easy to get here. Maybe some of you came by toboggan or uh, certainly slipping and sliding in your cars. But it shows a lot of spirit. Perhaps this is the best place to be on a snowy night. If this is your inclination to sit quietly and just listen to the truth of the moment arising in front of us. Tonight is getting very close to the winter solstice, which is, I believe, on Sunday. And so we only have two more days before it all starts to brighten up. And the light returns, the return of the light. This is a very significant time of year. In Judaism, it'll be Hanukkah. So they'll start lighting lights every night. The first night will be one light, two lights actually. The light that lights all the lights and then the first light. And the second night, there'll be three lights, four lights, five, for eight nights. And then there'll be Christmas, and there'll be a lot of lights lit, candles and votive lights. And there's so many lights outside of people's homes. So even as the cars are struggling along the snow, those of you who aren't driving can look around and see the beautiful colored lights in front of people's homes as a way of symbolizing the cheer and the joy of the Christmas season. What is the cheer and the joy of this season? It's not just about lighting light, but light for us as human beings is a symbol of something that we love, we go towards, we want more, we wish for it, especially in midwinter. It's not even winter yet. Winter doesn't start till Sunday, right? But it feels like midwinter, with all the snow piled outside. The darkness makes us yearn for and long for the light. I was talking to somebody who was very excited because she was going with her children to Florida. There's a lot of sunshine there and a lot of good weather, warmth. I think light and heat are very connected, especially when you light candles rather than electric bulbs. There's so much warmth and glow and if you have a fire at home there's a different kind of heat that comes from fire as opposed to electricity. But the light itself is so attractive to the mind and in the summer months probably there's less depression than there is now. People get down when it's dark and it's severe weather and you have to stay in a lot. What is it that attracts us to this light? Is not just the warmth, but think of the light in the heart. And think of this Dhamma teaching as a kind of light for us in our lives. Whatever festival we're celebrating at this time of year, nature itself is giving us a reason to celebrate because the light will return. It promises to return. 
Christmas time is a very busy time, and it seems like that's what it's come to represent. Does everyone here have a pretty busy schedule over the next week? And are you all buying presents? Gift giving or exchanging of gifts? In the olden times, probably when Jesus was born, because there was a prediction fulfilled that this was the Christ child, bringing a great gift to the world, a gift of light, a gift of a new consciousness, there was a lot of celebration. And that celebration would have meant that people would gather and feel a tremendous joy, maybe something like when Barack Obama was elected. There was a lot of celebration. I'm not trying to compare him in any way. But it was something so unusual for the world that people were cheering and celebrating in the streets all over the world. But when the Christ child was born, there would have been festivity and celebration and maybe over the centuries that changed from a religious occasion to something more and more secular. You get together and in order to show your happiness you bring gifts. Maybe before the gifts were brought for the temple or for the church and then when that kind of practice fell away in more modern times People go less to places of worship to bring offerings. Instead, maybe the family life, home life, became the center of celebrations. So this idea of exchanging gifts instead of bringing the gifts for a religious purpose or to celebrate a spiritual gathering, it was just to each other. And since the media has begun to influence us so much. And secular life has taken over this wondrous time of year. Then this gift-giving becomes something more of a, a ritual, maybe an expectation, a social expectation, rather than heartfelt bringing and offering of gifts to the people that we love. Maybe it's much more just some duty that you have to fulfill at work. You have a, a party and you, you all have to exchange gifts. Not that that's a bad thing, but maybe if you didn't feel pressured into doing it, you might not want to give. Maybe it's a good thing to give gifts to people that we don't feel particularly connected to, if only to spur us into giving, giving gifts. Or is it just a time when we hope that somebody will give us something? Or that we start to expect that we'll get a gift? Or wonder what so-and-so is going to give me? But really, I think the most beautiful part of it is when you watch your kids opening up their gifts or preparing gifts to give, that kind of thing, until the greed sets in until it becomes just so commercial. So what do you want from this time of year? What is it? What would be the greatest gift? If this was really still less of a secular thing, where people were just madly exchanging gifts or trying to figure out what to buy each other, 
but we really were wishing for the best gift of all. What would be the best gift? What would be the best gift in your life? Human equality. Human equality? What does that mean? Start to treat each other. Each other mm-hmm. Has that ever happened? No. Anybody else? What would be the best gift for you? Love. What do you mean by love? Just to receive or to give love. To receive or to give love. Anyone else? Equality, love. What do you think is the best gift? It's more a reflection of what my son was saying yesterday. He says, Mommy, why are there so many wars? Why cannot we have peace everywhere? And it's wonderful the way he expressed it. He says, Can we get everybody to just talk to each other? Stop fighting? Mm. So, it's interesting that every one of you has answered something which is not personal, it's more universal. We all want a universal gift, and it's quite similar. Well, let's bring it down into everyday life, our own lives, each of us. Just reflect in your own life. Do you feel peaceful in your own life, in your own mind? Do you feel peaceful with uh, every relationship that you're in? With everyone you know? Do you feel peaceful with yourself? Do you feel equal, a sense of equal loving kindness towards every part of your being? Every role that you play, when you're in your mother role, your teacher role, your daughter role, your wife or husband role, your work colleague role, your driver in heavy traffic role. (laughs) When something happens and you're frustrated, just to bring it back to more down-to-earth bricks and bones kind of reality of how we live day by day and what the mind is doing moment by moment. When we think about the best gift, it's easy to think about something that's out there for everybody else. But we really haven't achieved that. I'm making an assumption here. I mean, you may all be fully enlightened beings. But we, most of us, haven't achieved that in our own life. So can we not say, happy holidays, can we not say, I would like peace in my heart. I want equality in my heart. I want to feel equanimity towards all conditions in my own heart. I would like to be able to give love equally to all beings who I meet, everyone. And to be able to receive the love that's offered me from everyone I know without resentment, without judgment, without an opinion that I like this one and I don't like that one 
But we don't do that. It's interesting. We don't do that. We don't think about what is the greatest gift that we can receive or give to each other. And I believe that the Buddha put his finger on it when he said that this noble eightfold path, this path of ending suffering within us, is the most unselfish act. Of course, many people think when they see someone never meditated and happened to come here tonight by mistake and saw us all sitting here, oh, those meditators, they're very selfish. What do you do for the world? I've been asked this. What do I do for the world? It did change my life, that question. After I'd been a nun for many, many years, it again changed my life in a good way. But I still ask this question about what is, what's the highest form of generosity. First, we have to clean up the cupboard. Like, when you're having guests to your house, what do you want to do? You want to offer them lovely food. And you want to clean up, make everything look really neat. And you want them to come happy, enjoy their time with you, and leave happy. So you want to offer them the best. The best food, clean house, change the towel in the toilet, put some new toilet paper in there, empty the rubbish bin, and offer them the things they might like and maybe light candles, put bright light, make it bright, cheerful, shut the computer, things like that. Maybe you don't do these things, I'm just imagining what it would be to invite, okay, maybe not for an ordinary guest, what if the Buddha was coming? Suppose, no really, we have to ask ourselves, who would be the most honored guest you can imagine? Well, maybe it's not the Buddha for you, but, Barack Obama, like you might. <laughs> I'm not trying to hold him up as some ideal, but he really did um, excite the world a month ago. And that's fresh in everyone's mind. If you're inviting someone as your guest, you want to offer the best you can. When we wake up in the morning, we try to prepare ourselves for the day. But we don't think about preparing ourselves to welcome the world in the way that we would welcome our best guest. We might brush our teeth and wash our bodies and put on nice clothes, but what about the state of our mind? What kind of offering do we give to the world in terms of receiving others into our life moment by moment, day by day? The Buddha was calling on us to empty our minds of real selfishness, to clean out the rubbish day by day, put out the toxic waste, and present ourselves to the world not by looking pretty, not by dyeing our hair pretending to be young, not by being fashionable, not by speaking in smart and slick ways. 
not by looking rich or sounding famous or name dropping or impressing people with a long resume but by upholding a very unshakable moral commitment by developing purity in our minds by practicing loving kindness and compassion towards each other by rejoicing for the joys of others and helping others when they're in trouble when they're in, in need this is of course active compassion and by being able to endure difficulties in a heroic way through deepening our understanding and developing a kind of stoic strength and wisdom about life now admittedly this is not the recipe that most people take into daily life but when we start to practice this teaching then we learn that doing this this is very much counter to what society teaches us this is not the teachings of the world this is the teachings of the blessed one it's the teaching of many of the enlightened teachers of ages ago whoever you follow somewhere in most of the religious teachings you will find some kind of exaltation along those lines to go towards light to go towards not bright lights not just the return of the light as in the solstice but the light the way the light is revealed to us in our own minds by having clarity about what we're doing moment by moment how our suffering arises in us and how we can end it in us how it arises in relationship to others and how we can end that suffering in our relationship with others so this is all about moral commitment mental purification developing wisdom and purifying the heart this is all about social responsibility compassion in daily life and greater and greater tolerance and forgiveness for ourselves and others just all those things that you've talked about but it has to begin where in here that's why we come that's why we come to Quaker house where is our direct action towards fulfilling the gifts you spoke about when we sit here together we can't tell we don't see it it's not that visible but we are by coming here we are fulfilling that very principle of practicing the highest form of giving that is by developing our ability to sit in the silence and understand more deeply how to surrender our attention to the present moment with clarity with patience with understanding and with purity of mind moment by moment this is a great gift now you might think well but it feels so good when i enjoy it so how could it be unselfish ah but in fact it is unselfish because the enjoyment that you're getting it's because you are coming 
to an understanding of that there is no self. This self that you think you're actually pleasing is slowly being withered away in the face of the truth of realizing what you really are. By realizing that you are not that selfish being wanting and clinging to the things that you think will make you happy. You're coming here and sitting in the silence and letting go to the silence. This is a sacrifice. This is a making sacred. This is a giving up many things you could be doing on a Friday night, which the selfish, ignorant mind would normally go towards. But this little exercise that we commit to on Friday night for 45 minutes is actually giving up the world for that period of time in order to practice clearing out what we've been conditioned to believe in and emptying the mind to understand truth more deeply. It's giving ourselves to that truth and it takes root in us. It's like we drink it. You might come out of here thinking that there wasn't anything special. But in fact, every moment of mindfulness, every moment of pure awareness is stored somewhere in you, stored in your heart. And it clears away some of the poor habits that we've been developing for years and years. The light of truth is lit step by step, week by week, Quaker House or wherever in your own shrine back home or when you light the candles on Sunday or next Thursday or at New Year's Eve or wherever. This is a bigger light that we're lighting here within us. This is the light that is in tune with our deepest nature. And it's the light that connects us to the real unconditional love that we all yearn for, which is where our breath, not the physical breath, but the breath of our spiritual understanding comes from. comes from that unconditional love or unconditional peace, which is unshakable. It's indestructible. And that is the highest principle to which we can align ourselves. And we do so by shedding the world moment by moment and growing in light. For me, someone asked me tonight about the kind of lights that I light. And the lights that I light, that, that we light together at the Hermitage every time I sit down, to meditate or every time I practice a moment of connecting with awareness to what I'm doing. This is a light of truth. It's not particular to the Buddha's teaching or to a Christian teaching. It's a God moment. It's a love moment. It's an eternal light. It never goes out. My body might disappear. But the goodness the purity of that light is never diminished. And I'm passing it on. The more I light it in my own life, the more I'm able to pass it on as I walk and speak and interact with others 
And that's true for each one of you. So how are you creating equality and peace and love in your lives? It's by this unselfish act. You light the light. It's not waiting for solstice for the light to return. Every time we sit down to practice mindfulness, purification of the mind, and developing this wisdom of where that light can be found and how we can grow it, we are growing it. We do. We grow it in that way. That's the greatest gift. First, beginning where there is no light, where we think there is no light, but we actually hold the source of that light in our hearts. So the day of solstice for us is every day. Every day. We light candles every day. They may be symbolic of complete enlightenment, but because our lives as monastics are always pointed towards that solstice, turning towards, always turning towards the light. We do. We always turn towards the light. It's a matter of determining that that's what I'm going to do. It's not waiting for Christmas and then the other 364 days of the year we're just being careless and not really committing, not really doing the practice, just, well, at Christmas, I'll do it. Or you only light the lights in front of your house once a year. That's fine. But always light the light, this light in your heart, every day. Every day when you wake up, if you can brush your teeth and wash your body, then light the light in your heart and make a determination that it's going to be a solstice day. It's going to be a gift-giving day. It's going to be a day of welcoming in the light and shedding the darkness. We don't have to practice a particular... We don't have to commit ourselves to be Buddhists or to be any kind of religion, but choose the highest gift. Don't choose a religion. Choose the highest gift and practice that giving every day. At least begin with your own opening of your heart towards that light and turning towards it intentionally. Without that right intention and right view in terms of understanding, this is what I have to do. This is the generosity I have to practice. Don't wait for other people to be kind to you or for life to be kind to you or for Christmas to come to you in the form of people giving you something because you've had so much bad luck. Or isn't it about time that you bought a present from someone? No. Don't wait for others to come to you with their generosity. Open your heart and give. Be generous. Really, because the joy of this life comes from that generosity, comes from turning towards goodness and sharing it and making sacrifice. That's why you come out of here happy because you've given up something to come and do this, which is difficult, most difficult thing to do. And you might say, no, no, it's easy, I like it. But it is difficult to commit yourself to this, not just on Fridays, every day, for a few minutes, every day for as many minutes as you can. 
So then, when we sit here and we make this kind of commitment, then we don't have to wait for New Year's Eve to do the resolution. I'm going to practice generosity every single day of my life. Yes, that form of generosity comes with letting go a few coins out of your pocket when you pass someone on the street. Yes, it means also picking yourself up when you feel too tired to go out and volunteer or help a sick neighbor or make up with someone that you've had a fight with or be a little extra patient, a little extra kind instead of losing your temper or allowing yourself to have a tantrum because just because you can't. There are many kinds of tantrum. Or just not complaining for a change. Don't go for your old ways of comfort and entertainment when you're feeling lousy. Let the beauty we are be what we do. Just sit with the present moment because the beauty is in us. We don't have to go out searching. You know how you sit there and your mind is whirling? You're thinking about what you did all day or what you didn't do or where you were and how you got here and where you're going tomorrow and when's the bell going to... All those thoughts just circling, whirling around, orbiting. You're worried about if your car is going to start and will there be as much traffic going back as when you came or how are you going to spend the weekend or where are you going for Christmas or maybe you wish you hadn't come to Quaker House tonight whatever thoughts you might have had thoughts are always dukkha thoughts always create suffering because eventually they lead us into opinions I like it, I don't like it, I don't know it's an opinion or a non-opinion even a non-opinion is an opinion because you're deciding which opinion you're going to have but as soon as we're caught up in opinions or memories or thoughts or positions, one way or the other, we have no idea, no ability, no power to taste the beauty of the present moment because we're thinking. And the present moment can only be known intuitively through the gift of this awareness that the Buddha asked of us to practice, to cultivate talk about the best garden to cultivate it's in here to be the beauty that we are there are a hundred thousand ways Hindu, Buddhist Confucian Zoroastrian Islam Tibetan Buddhism Theravada, whatever but kneel down in front of the present moment and bless it with your own love of the moment. Just love the moment. Your mind is complaining, okay, love the moment. Your heart is raging, doesn't matter. Someone's angry at you, kneel to that anger. Allow it. How can you do this? It's possible. The highest spiritual teachings will tell us to open our hearts because even our enemies can be teachers to us because they show us what we carry. They show us how much we can bring up love and forgiveness. Whether it is really universal, whether it really does reach out to all beings or just to the ones we like. 
But for there to be universal peace, we have to give up our opinions and prejudices. But we're more willing to say, let everyone do it. But can we do it? When we develop it, to realize that the Buddha mind, this bodhicitta, is the ground of our being, then we can empower others to develop it through our own ethical recovery. We have to recover the ground of our own moral purity and give that. If we give that to the present moment, when conditions are good, we learn how to be able to stand up in front of other people's anger and make peace right then and there. That's our gift of peace. Not just by saying, well, I want peace. But what are we doing towards that? So don't wait for solstice. Don't wait for Christmas. Don't wait for a holiday. But every day, take responsibility. This is the highest responsibility for a human being. And we know this teaching. Once you know the teaching and you still don't totally commit, it doesn't mean you have to shave your heads and wear robes, but let whatever situation we're in be our commitment. Whatever kama we are carrying, let us work with it so that we are fully committed to return to the light day by day and to give that to each other and to the world. Life is so short. Why should we do anything else? Thank you for your kind attention. Let's do a little closing chant, shall we?